Awesome. How are we doing? Good, good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Acts chapter 17 is where we'll be this morning. Um, Acts chapter uh, 17. Uh, and, and real quick, just want to, um, I guess maybe kind of talk about my creeper status, but uh, I just, I thought this was really, really cool. Um, uh, yes, last night I logged on and looked at the security cameras uh, and saw this is uh, a men's group. I know, creeper status. Um, men's group that gathered here uh, last night to, um, to learn how to study the Bible, to learn how to uh, study the scriptures. Um, and, and I just, I don't know, I just, I just think that's cool, and I thank you for doing that. Um, and and what, what I love is, one, it was at 7.30 on a Friday night, um, and so they meet here, gather here, and, and uh, you, you can't tell it by the picture, but this dude right here is a college kid. Um, what college kid is showing up at a church at 7.30 on a Friday night? You know what I'm saying? Um, and so to be loved on, to, to get into the Word, uh, to learn how to study the Word, man, I, I just I love that, love that, love that. Um, and, and, and for us, just as a church, getting serious uh, about investing in our men, uh, because just scripturally, as you see and read and look, uh, as being the leader of, of the home, uh, the leader of the church, um, and what God does, does in and through that. Uh, and so just even the things that we've got coming up, looking to launch a men's group. We've got a chili cook-off coming up in uh, March the 7th. Uh, uh, so just a lot of, that's for men, men only. And so just, just a lot of just cool things that God's doing here and around and in the heart of, of men. And so, um, and as the man goes, I'm telling you, just watch out, watch out. Um, because of stuff like this that, that God will take and use in a mighty way and he will cause havoc in our world. Uh, and so... Um, so just excited, excited about, uh, about that. So for us in Acts 17, we'll, we'll get there here in just a few minutes, but, but one of the things that I laid before us um, uh, early on, uh, we're not very far into the year yet, uh, early in January, uh, was the goal of reaching 1,000 people with the gospel. The goal of telling at least 1,000 people this year uh, of the glorious news of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done uh, for us. And what I've loved so far is that how the scriptures have just kind of aligned with that. Like where we happen to be uh, in the scriptures is, is pointing us right back to this, bringing us right back to this reality and to this truth and uh, just how important it is for his people to be serious to tell other people uh, about him. And so uh, that's the thing that we see in the scriptures, how serious God is about telling others of his love, his grace, his mercy, of his son, uh, Jesus Christ. Because we live in a world of, of utter chaos, do we not? I mean, my goodness, who thought that it was ending yesterday with a balloon flying across the U.S.? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I'm having a conversation with my 10-year-old this morning, uh, and his mind, like, goes into the world type stuff. And I'm just like, dude, just pump the brakes, man. It's okay. It's all right. We, we win in the end, so just, that it's okay. If, if this is how Jesus comes, he comes. Uh, if this is how it ends, it ends this way. It, we have nothing to worry about. It's, it's okay. Um, and so, it just, it doesn't take long to just, just, look or read or see in the news just how crazy things has gotten. And I'm here to say that that wasn't the intent from the beginning, but because of sin, this is what we've got. This is where we're at. And what I love about the heart of God is that he doesn't just leave us there in that, right? He moves toward and he uh, uh, gives us and he walks with us and he helps us and he cares for us and he gives us his son Jesus who happens to be the answer to the utter chaos that is in our world. He, Jesus is the answer to the question uh, that's asked. How do we fix this? How does this thing get uh, put back on the right course? Jesus is that answer, and what God has commissioned his church to do is to go tell the world that. We, we've got the answer. We know the answer. We know how to fix the thing. We've just got to go do it. We've got to share. We've got to tell. We've got to let people know 
about Jesus. And that's what we're going to see this morning here as Paul interacts and shares the gospel with a group of people. And I just believe that this story will be very, very beneficial for us. It will be very helpful for us to understand and to see another way to do that. A way that Paul goes about this and how he interacts with a group of people and shares with them. And I believe we can just learn a ton from this example. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray and then we'll jump into Acts 17, starting in verse 16 here in just a second. Father, help us this morning hear from you. Father, that your Holy Spirit will do a work in this place. And so, God, I just, I just want to pray that for the next few minutes that we would just be in tune with who you are, what you're doing, Father, what you want to accomplish in this place. Father, I, I believe with everything in me that, that people didn't just show up here by accident. God, but that you've got a plan and a purpose for them being here. Whether it was their crazy neighbor who just wouldn't leave them alone, kept inviting and inviting and inviting, and they've showed up. Or, God, it's the person that's been here year after year after year, service after service, Father, that you want to work and do in our hearts to draw us closer to you, to help us fall more in love with you, and, Father, to help us to, uh, to be a light in a dark world and to take the glorious news of Jesus Christ, your Son, and share it. And so, Father, I pray that you work and accomplish whatever you see fit. Father, this is about you. It's about you alone. So, God, do as you need in the hearts of the men and women in this room. God, me too. Help me hear from you and follow out in glad obedience. Shall we pray? Amen. Amen. So, uh, Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. Um, so you've got Paul here, and it says, Now, while Paul was waiting for them, the them here in the Scripture is, is Silas uh, and Timothy. And what I love about the book of Acts is that you just you see this church take off. You see the church get started. You see uh, God start to do a work. You see the, uh, the, the gospel spread to the nations. You see God just uh, do a mighty work of, of taking the name of Jesus uh, uh, to, to people, and, and he uses uh, his church. He uses his people to do that. And so you have Paul. Paul is just a juggernaut in that, taking the gospel, wanting to share uh, the good news of Jesus with as many people as he could. And so uh, Paul happens to be somewhere, and as he happens to be there, he's waiting on Silas and Timothy. That's the them there. So the backstory of how we get to this point, what we know uh, from the, the book of Acts, is that once Paul is converted, man, he is, his desire is to tell people about Jesus. His desire is to share with them what happened to him and how God has rescued and redeemed and saved him and how God has done this uh, uh, amazing work in his life. So I don't know how you walk in here this morning, but what you need to know is that the, is that the man that is uh, in this story, the Apostle Paul, uh, uh, would trump all of us. All of us put together our badness. He would, he would supersede that uh, by miles and miles and miles. Like, I don't know the last time you killed someone. If you have, don't tell us. Security? Down. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't know the last time that, that you, you approved of the murder of a Christian. I, I don't know uh, the, the last time uh, uh, that, that you've walked through and did some of the things that the Apostle Paul is guilty of. And I just want to share with you that if you've committed one sin, which you have, because you're breathing, you're alive, you're here, you have, so have I. As a result of that, what we're guilty of, what, what we deserve is, is death and damnation. And, and so Paul understands that and he gets that. And his, his consuming passion is to take the good news of forgiveness and redemption. The, the way to be made right, he wants to take that to all people everywhere. All people everywhere. And so he goes to the, to the known world and he just preaches. And as he preaches, he's establishing churches. And he's, he's, he's leaving people there to, 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 uh, to lead those churches, to pastor those churches, all the places that he visits. And so he's here currently in Berea doing just that. And what takes place is that you've got some of the Jews from Thessalonica who hear that he's there and they get amped up about it. So they go in and they start to cause trouble. They start to stir some things. They don't like the Apostle Paul being there telling the truth about who Jesus is. They start to stir stuff, and, and then what happens is they get Paul out of there as quick as they can. 
They send him out of town, but, but Silas and Timothy, they stay there. And then when Paul gets to where he's at, what he does as he's here in Athens, he sends for Timothy and Silas to come to him. So they get the news to him, to them, and they, they end up leaving and they come when they hear of this. And so that's the them, that's what's happening, that's kind of the backstory to get us to here. And so we have the Apostle Paul waiting for them here in Athens. So he's waiting here in Athens. And the thing you need to know about Athens is this, is that it was the intellectual capital of the world intellectual, I mean, brainiacs here. Think, think of it like this. Oxford, Harvard, Yale, Duke, all rolled into one. That's what you have here in Athens. Just, just, just masterminds, deep thinkers of the day. They would gather. They are, are here in Athens. But it's not just that. It's also a, a great area for, for the arts and athletics. That's what we know about Athens. It, it housed one of the world's largest stadiums for sports. It's actually the first site of the original Olympics. That's what we know about this day, about this time, about this culture. And, and I say that because I want us to understand what's taking place in the story so that when we engage in our world, we can know context, we can know where we're at, who we're talking to. And, and that's what Paul does. He knows his crowd. But Paul is familiar with the people here in Athens. He, he knows what they believe. He knows what they stand for. He, he knows that those that he's going to interact with, that this is going to be their leaning, this is going to be their bent. So you've got Paul here in Athens. And then look as we continue verse 16. It says that his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So something happens in Paul. Something takes place. Something starts to, to move and work and do. And what we have here is he sees all of these idols, the city full of idols. And, and an idol is just anything that replaces the one true God in our life. Anything that we desire, long for, think about most, that is our God. And, and that can be a number of things, can it? A number of things. There was actually a saying here in Athens that it's easier to find a God in Athens than it is to find a man. That's the kind of city, that's the kind of place uh, that we see here that we're, that we're talking about when we talk about Athens. Here today in Athens, if, if you're familiar with it at all, or if, you, if you've read books or if you've looked at pictures, you, you can see all of these ruins there in Athens today from where they housed all of these gods, where they uh, had built these little temples, constructed these little temples to, uh, to be able to go and to worship the different gods that were, that were there, that were present, that they believed in in this day. And so they had all these temples devoted to them for sacrifice, for worship. And so in this day, it was a little g-god that they were trying to appease. Why? So that they could get stuff. If I do the right things, if I serve it the right way, if I take him the right stuff, then uh, as a result of that, he'll, he'll bless me, he'll do good for me, he'll, he'll, he'll make things happen for me. And so when we look at this, when we think about this, I mean, how, how crazy is that, right? That they would sacrifice to this statue, to this idol, to try to get to this god, to do those, those type of things. Like, I mean, how that mindset... But in all reality, we're no different, aren't we? We've, we've not moved very far past that because we worship a ton of things that does absolutely nothing for us spiritually. It does absolutely, it doesn't breathe life into us. It doesn't uh, help us not one bit. And so anything that we long for, we desire, we want outside of the true living God, that becomes our little G God, right? And so some of those things can be material possessions. Stuff, I just get stuff then I'll feel happier, then I'll have this, or then I'll be like this. If I, if I can just get stuff, or, or if I can just get my uh, bank account to the right size. Uh, another thing that, that we, we, we worship really, really good, and they make crummy, crummy gods, is, is people. Like, like our kids. Uh, like, don't, don't, we, don't we worship our kids? Like, we, we get them into everything. We try to live out the dream through them. We try to push them to this. We try to, but we invest so much into the wrong things with them and worship them, and they become our idol talking about the world and thinking about the world, which we're not far removed from, that we struggle with too, but what about in the church? 
even this whole thought of religion can become an idol for us. Kind of a check the box, do my thing, get through it. In the church, it can, it can present itself like this. Man, I mean, I showed up, I came, I, I gave a little bit of money, uh, I, I, did a little, I did a little thing, I helped serve a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of nice most of the time. I don't say the big words, just the little ones. I mean, I mean, wh- however we want to justify it and do it, right? And, and then when something happens, we expect God to do something for us. We expect God to move in and to, and to give us something that he's never promised, to do something for us that he's never said that he would do, he's never promised to do. And, and so what do we do? We, 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 we worship the culture, we worship uh, religion, we worship uh, this type of stuff in, in expectation of God doing something for us. And, and I'm just going to tell you, like, if he does not one thing ever again for us, he's done too much. Like, like that's, the re- that's the good news of the gospel. He's already done for us all that he needs to do. And he sent his son Jesus. That, that's the good That's what we want people to hear know. Like, we don't come here for him to do stuff for, him, for us. Dang, we don't even come here for him to like us. Because he can't like us any more than he already does. Like, he likes you and loves you to the point he sends his son to die for you. What, what, what more is he to do? Absolutely nothing. He's given us the best already. And so we play little games like that. And what's happened in this day, much like in ours, is that people have been blinded by the desire for something other than God. I mean, what can I have? What can I get other than God? And that's what the Holy Spirit uses to wreck in this moment. Look at it again with me. Look at it again right here, here, here in verse 16 at the end. It says, his spirit was provoked within him. Why? As he saw that the city was full of idols. See, Paul sees all this, and he recognizes all this, and he realizes it, and he takes it in as he walks into the town. He sees all of these temples. He sees all of this pagan worship, this, this idol worship. And the Holy Spirit uses that to just wreck him, to get his attention. And, and, and church, what I need to say this morning is, is that we need to be provoked. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like we need to be shook a little bit. We need, to, we need, to, we need to, to wake up. We need the Holy Spirit to do the same thing to us. We need to see all the junk that's present in our day, and we need to let God wreck us in it. Wreck us to the point of, of action, us moving toward, us being broken over so that we will take action. The problem is with our provoking, when we're provoked today in the church, uh, we're provoked to criticism. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump on in a minute. We will criticize and we will tear down. We will post about. We'll, we'll let the world know real quick on our social media our status. Or we'll yell at or we'll hold signs or we'll, we'll, we'll march or we'll, or we'll cancel something in a second. I mean, imagine if, imagine if the Apostle Paul did this. He walks into a city, all those fools, they just stay over there worshiping that thing. And I'm done with them. I'm out. No, no, no. What is he? No, what is he? he moves toward. He, he cares for and he, he loves. Church, the world is dark. The, the world has no desire and longing for God or the things of God. We, we need to understand that, 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 that people are lost. And lost people are going to act how? Like lost people. They should. That, that's, 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 that's what's in them. That's who they are. And so as a result of that, they're going to act like what they are. I, I mean, I have got, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I would be crazy to think that my two-and-a-half-year-old could act like my ten-year-old. Right? Or, or, or my two-and-a-half-year-old should not be, or even my ten-year-old shouldn't act like a 15-year-old. Shouldn't be able to act like an 18-year-old or a 25-year-old. Because that's not who he is. That's not where, that's not his, that's not where he's at. The people of this day, they're lost in their sin. They're, they're lost and they're worshiping and they're acting like what's in them. And so it's dark and so he moves toward and he says, why? Because he knows that there's eternal ramifications. He knows that if someone dies in their sin, 
He knows that if someone doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ, what happens to them? What happens to them eternally? That's what takes place. And he knows that their belief system isn't set up that way. He, he knows the culture of the day. He knows what's happening, and he knows that, that their culture is not set up like that. Look at verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happen uh, to be there. And so the marketplace here in ancient days, in this ancient city, this culture, uh, it's not just a place where you shop. It's a place where you would, you would gather and you'd have conversation. It's a place that, that, that you would reason with one another, that you would uh, uh, have deep intellectual uh, uh, conversation. So he's not just like being a creeper at the, at the checkout at Walmart. That's not what he's doing. Not, like, he's not like, just kind of there, like just spying on and seeing who he can. That's not what's happening. He's went to where the people are at. He's gone to where this kind of conversation can happen. He's went to, uh, to where people are at, and he engages. He's aware, and he and engages. I think what breaks my heart about the church today is our lack of engagement, our lack of action, our lack of going after. That's what breaks my heart. That, that's why I want to be very, very intentional with us this year, is that, is that church, we're called to get out and go. The Great Commission, go make. We're called to go share. We're called to go tell people. We're called to go live it out. It's great to invite and get him here, and there should be some draw from the, from the world to here. Uh, but, but this morning, we gather as the bride, as the body of Christ. We ought to be recharged right, so that we can go out and share, so that we can be encouraged, so that we can come up under the, the proclamation of the Word of God and let, let the Holy Spirit work in us and do in us right, so that we can be charged to go tell. We can be charged to go share. Let people know of who Jesus Christ is and, and what he has done. I think what breaks my heart is our lack of engagement, our lack of action, our lack of movement. Like I can remember hearing, uh, I was in student ministry for, for such a, a long time, and I can remember hearing uh, kind of this comment, man, today's youth, ugh, man, can't we not talk about that? Because I can, I've got a list of today's youth and like what they're doing, and Lord help them. And it's always kind of like, yeah, Lord help them. Maybe may God get them. Anyway, like, I, I, read, I readily agree. Like, I, I can't imagine being in a world, at, in our world today at the age that they are. I, I, mean, I mean, I've got a 10, a 7, and a 2.5. And, and what that world's going to look like as they continue to grow, what that world's going to be like as they continue to grow and mature. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine all the junk that's, that they're faced with. I mean, I, I can't imagine all the things that's thrown at them every moment of every day, the things that they're subjected to, the things that they, they hear, the conversations that they have. Lord, help our youth. Absolutely help our youth. God, God get them. God, God, rescue them. God, do something in them. I, I, mean, I mean, all the stuff that's surrounding them with identity today, I mean, is that not crazy? Let them just, let them, let them just be a kid right now and identify as a kid. Let my boy just identify as a 10-year-old boy. My 7-year-old identifies as a 7-year-old. Let them just identify as that. Leave them alone. Just let them be. It's not that difficult to figure out and understand that stuff. But we want to be a place that helps equip. We want to be a place that walks with. We want to be a place that loves and cares for. That's why this Wednesday night we're having a special training in here. And we've got a lady coming to share and walk with and help us uh, know how to handle those type of questions or different questions that's, that's out there. Go from a biblical perspective. And in the month of March, all, all Wednesday night, every Wednesday night in March, we've got a guy coming to teach a parenting class in here to help us, help us equip us, help us uh, uh, learn how to walk with our kids in a way that honors the Lord, in a way that can, that can care for their little souls. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We've, we've been around it. We, we've, we've, walked, we've walked in it and with it. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's, been, it's been probably about six, eight months ago. I had a conversation with someone, and, and they were just sharing uh, this conversation about these two girls, middle school girls. 
and, and how these two, these two middle school girls um, were uh, uh, intimately connected so much so now that they're girlfriends. And like back in my day, like, like when a girl was a friend with another, they were called girlfriends. But nowadays, you can't just have a girlfriend. If you have a girlfriend, there has to be some intimacy. There has to be uh, uh, some just weird stuff like that that has to go on. And there was, there was no place for them to be able to understand that. I mean, you can have a best friend that's a girl and not have to be attracted to her. That you can have a best friend that's a girl and it not be weird. And not be having to be labeled something. That you could, just be, you could just be good friends, really, really good friends. That's the kind of stuff that's being pushed on them. That's the kind of stuff that, that they're being faced with. All this romantic nonsense. And so whenever I think of, man, that day, Lord help him. Yeah, yeah. You know who's called to help him? He's called us to help him. He's called us to engage with the culture, to engage with our kids to engage in conversation, to walk with, to care for, to love. He, church, the answer is in us. The answer is in the gospel. The answer is, is caring enough to walk with and help and aid and, and, and love the way that Jesus loves. That's what he's called us to do. Paul sees that. He knows that. He knows that there's going to be some out there type of thinking. He knows that there's going to be some opposition that he's going to face, but he loved and he cared enough because of what Christ has done in him to engage in it, to answer the difficult questions. And hear me, this should be a place where we can do that. You struggle with that today, come on. God bless you, you're here. We, we, we love you enough to say, thank God you're here. There's no judgment here. Your sin, your junk is no different than mine. What, what you go through, what God's rescued you, no different than anybody else sitting in this room. We want to be a place that's welcoming and loving and inviting. Now, we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to care for you enough to tell you the truth and be committed enough to walk with you if you'll let us. But we're not going to throw you under the bus. We're not, we're not going to uh, out you or blast you out there or, or take you out back and stone you. We, I don't, who does that junk? And we're going to love you and care for you and walk with you and want to see you through that. And we want to share the gospel. We want to press in and, and help. And that's what the Apostle Paul does here. Look at verse 18 as he says this. Now he's going to identify, identify some of those that, are, uh, uh, that, that he's engaging with, that he's having conversation with, and some of them being Epicurean and some of them being Stoic philosophers. He also conversed with them. That, that's who he's talking to. That's who he's engaging with. So to kind of get a better picture of, of who Paul engages here, you've got the Epicureans, that they just believe this, that God is an idle, inactive being that, that minded nothing, didn't care about anything. He, he didn't put any a difference between good and evil. Uh, they, they wouldn't uh, know on their own either that, that God made the world or that he governs it. That wasn't a big deal to them. They didn't care, nor that man needs to make any uh, con, uh, concise of, of what he says or, or does. That there be no punishment to fear after death, nor reward to hope for. That's what they believe. Sounds, sounds a lot like kind of our world today, right? Just live it up. Just enjoy yourself. YOLO. You only live once, right? Go at it. Enjoy it. Do all that you can do. Get as much as you can get. Get ahead as, as, as much as you can. But very, very similar to our culture, to our world. That's what they believe. That's where they land. And then you have the Stoics here. And the Stoics, uh, they just thought of themselves altogether as, as good as God. That them just being created, that they, they were good and they, they were right and they were okay and they just indulged themselves in as much pride of life as they could. They made their virtuous man to be no way inferior to God himself nor to be superior. They were just there. They generally just had a rather high ethic and, and put great stock in their own self-sufficiency. Look, look at what I can do. Look at what I, what I made. Look at what I happened. And so what we know from this story is that Paul is aware of and he knows his audience. He knows that. He's aware. He, he knows their belief systems. As he's walking through the city, he's aware. As he's walking into the, into the town, he sees that. As he's there in the marketplace, 
He knows how their minds think. He knows what, what the bent of their heart is. But above all that, he knew that they were lost and in need of a Savior. He knew that they were searching and they were looking. He knew that they had, had some things going on in their heart. And we'll see that here, here in just a few minutes. So Paul's aware and he knows and he begins to engage, he begins to talk. And, and look at how they respond here in verse 18. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? What, 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 is, what is this guy, what is he doing? What is this fool trying to accomplish? I mean, he's just out there babbling, just saying stuff. He's just talking out of his head because th that's a very derogatory term here in the Scriptures. This is one that, that kind of means and brings with it uh, this thought of a bird that just picks up seed and then spits it, spits it back out without any digestion of it at all. It, it brings with it babblers is this thought that people who would just ramble on about ideas and about ideas that they picked up from other people without really understanding them themselves. Like, do you have any people in your life that are like story stealers? Like, I'm that guy, y'all. Ah, I do it to my wife all the time. Like, she'll tell me something, and like, I'll claim it as it's like my own news and information. And I'll tell other people about it. And I'll even tell her about it. Which is never a good idea. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's never a good idea when you tell your wife the information that she told you. And like thinking that like you're doing something and accomplishing something. Right? I guess that, I mean, she's like, Scott, I told you that. I'm like, no, are you sure? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You're positive. Scott, I told just two hours ago, dude. What's the deal, man? Why are you, you, why are you telling my stories? Uh, that's kind of the thought here. Is, is this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. That's what they're labeling him as. Like this guy is just like a crazy rambler that's picked up on something. Has God now he's trying to pass it off on his own? Or is the, is the information even right? Is the information even accurate? Does it even, does it even work? I mean, is, is he just saying stuff to say stuff to try to get some attention? To try to build a following? Like, like what's, what's going on? They, they just labeled him that. See, it brings with it a thought of a second-class mind. A second-class mind. Somebody can't even think for themselves. Somebody can't reason for themselves. Someone that's dependent upon what somebody else says or what somebody else brings up. And, and church, you just need to hear me. As the world continues to get darker and darker and darker, this is how we'll be looked at over even the simplest things. Like, like, I don't know about you, but, but me even standing up here this morning and saying identity stuff or anything to do with sexuality, like the pressure that we can't. If you think that way, then you're a bigot. You're, you're, you're one of those religious folk that throw Bibles at people. You're unloving and judgmental, are you not? I mean, I mean we're, we're labeled like crazy, aren't we? And when in the world has it been because I disagree with you, I hate you? That's not hate speech. If anything, it's loving and gracious and kind and merciful. Why? Because if you're heading in a direction that's wrong, it's not the right good thing to do is to let somebody know. Now, the problem has been the way that we've presented it as a church, the way that we've handled that. That's an issue. I mean, I'll, I'll jump on that all day, and we can talk about it. I readily agree. Yes, we have done a horrific job of representing Jesus in the difficult subjects in life. Yes. Even to the point of where it doesn't look like That's not very loving to treat someone or act that way. I mean, to tell someone the truth about something and to do it in love and kindness and continue to be committed to walk with them, that's hate. That's your definition of what hate looks like or closed-minded or, or, or shut off or, or whatever the case would be. And you just need to know the more that this world continues to get dark, the more this world continues uh, uh, to trend toward culture, the more that we're going to continue to be pushed out. We're going to be continue to look, be looked at as, as this kind of second-class mind, one that, that, that doesn't know, that doesn't have any bearing or weight on, that it's so old-school, that it's so whatever conservative, whatever they want to call and throw at us. 
my response is, yeah, absolutely. Because I know the one that created it. I know the one that set it up. And hear me, there are things that I don't get. I don't understand. And things I don't even like. I would love for you and me to be able to do whatever we want to do and make it in the end and be just fine. I mean, how great would that be? Not very, because everybody else doing that would mean that we wouldn't get to do what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. And so there's a God and there's a creator that created and made for it to be a certain way. And he's not doing it to be a jerk. He's not doing it to be mean. He's not doing it to uh, keep us from experiencing things. So he's doing it to lead us to life. This is what it's supposed to be like. He doesn't say not to do this because he's a killjoy. He says not to do this because he cares about us. He loves us. He wants to lead us to life, not to, not to destruction, not, not to regret, not to remorse, not to the, but to life and freedom. That's what God's called us and beckoned us to. And that's why he has standards. That's why he has expectations. You want to know what it looks like to just live life however you want to and do whatever you want to do? Look at the culture and look at the world. That's what we've gotten. And so the story goes on in 18, and others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he's preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And just FYI, if you ever want to know about Paul, that's where he always gets the discussion to. Paul engages here in a minute, but he's going to get the discussion to Jesus. He's going to talk about Jesus. That's where he always goes with his conversations. So verse 19, what they do is they take him and they bring him uh, to uh, saying this, that we may know that this new teaching is, is that, you, that you're presenting. They want to know what it is. And so uh, what, what history says is that these philosophers, they're always on the lookout for new thoughts, new, uh, new ideas, new, new ways, new gods that they can just add to their collection. And so what it is, Paul's about to engage in an interview. And the interview is going to be about, does, does this faith have any intellectual integrity to be added to their list of already gods, their list of already religious ways and, and deities that they worship. So verse 20 says, for, for you bring some strange things to our ears. And so we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Antheans and, and the foreigners who, who live there would spend their time in, in nothing except telling and hearing something new. And so Paul, standing here in the midst uh, of, of the Areopagus, said, he says this, and this is, this is the whole sermon. We're, we're going to be able to look at it, and we're going to be able to read this whole sermon. It's only going to take a few minutes, but, but normally in this day, in this age, in this setting, in this arena, whenever you would give a speech to them, they're not known for being short little speeches. They're not known for being right to the point. So each one of these sentences would probably represent like a 20-minute 20 20 uh, uh, interlude or 20-minute like, like diving into. So what we've got here is just kind of the outline of this. And so this, this is what it says. Verse 22 says, Men of Athens, I perceive that you are, uh, in every way, you are very religious. See what Paul's kind of doing there? Kind of, kind of playing, playing to the day a little bit. Maybe kind of a backhanded compliment. I mean, if you know the Apostle Paul very much, he doesn't like, like hold back. Like he's very like just in your face and tells you. And, and so this, this could be kind of taken in two ways. It kind of carries a double, double meaning. It, 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 it's, it's superstitious or spiritual. It could, it could be negative or it could be a compliment. And so just if you know the Apostle Paul very much, probably just like a little bit more of a, a jab. But, but it's going to get their attention. It's going to get them looking at and thinking about for a moment. And then verse 23, he says, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So as he walks through, what he sees is he sees an altar. And that altar is just labeled to the God that we don't know yet or haven't discovered yet. Or to the God that, God that we don't currently have uh, uh, fully in the rotation of all of our other gods. To the God that, that, that we just, just, this is just kind of like that Hail Mary fourth quarter, you know what I'm saying? 
this kind of last minute, maybe this will work if we need it. We can kind of go over there and throw some sacrifice or some stuff in, in that altar, and we'll see what happens. So, so they, they, they've tried to make like a little, a little out here just in case of, if, if they need to, in case of they missed all the, the, the real God and all the other thousands of gods. And the thing I love about it is that Paul's aware. Paul sees that, and he knows. And what does he do? He uses that. We need to know the culture. I'm not saying that we need to partake and be submerged in it. We're going to be in it because we live in this day and age, right? And, and that, that's fine. We're, we're, of, we're in the world, but not of the world. There's a big difference. We're in it. We're, we don't need to, like, build fences, like, 12 feet tall and just get everybody here and let's just close off. No, no, no. We're called to go to the world, to share our hope, uh, to love the world, to care for the world, not to seclude them or reject them or have nothing to do with them. We need to engage them. And that's what we see Paul do here and do it in a great, great way. And so I believe whenever you see this, the, the unknown God, like to the one that we haven't figured out yet, or to the one that maybe we've skipped over, we've missed, we're just not made aware of, what I see this is a struggle. I, I see this as the way that God created them. It shows, it shows that they're trying to figure out and make life work. That they haven't been able to appease and get all of it right. And so Paul is aware of, and he knew that this struggle, well, because he knows it's the struggle of every person ever born. Because you were created in the image of God. The scriptures talk about how we have certain things implanted in us as a result of that. We've got morals. We've got a, we've got a compass that, that's drawing us back to him. Like, like, you didn't do that on your own. And hear me, no fool standing on the stage can convince you of that. I'm talking about me being the fool. I can't convince you of that this morning. I can't do a good enough job of telling you. I can't do a good enough job of breaking it down. That's why the Holy Spirit's at work. He's doing that's why I want to constantly put it before you that you don't have to be good at it. Lord, look at me. I'm not. What? I set you up and all of you passed, but the one that led the Bible study. So I'll be leading the Bible study Friday night. Come, it'll be awesome. We'd love to have you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but we're wired and we're created that way. It's not by happenstance. It's, it's God drawing and God wooing and God doing. And so Paul knows this. He's he, he knows their struggle. He knows that they're, they're trying to figure out. He's aware of that struggle every heart for God has. But we know this. We know that struggle in every heart. Look, look at what he says in verse 23 here. He says, What therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you. What he does is he, he dangles it in front of me. Like, I, I've got the answer. Like, like you, you've, you've got all this other stuff that you're doing, all these other gods that you're worshiping, all this, all this system that you've set up. And, and let me tell like, you, I know it. I know the answer. I know the fix-all. Church, we know the fix-all. We have the, the fix-all. And so he's going to proclaim it to them. He starts with their question. And hear me, this is different than how he usually does it. Look, you don't have to look, but just, it'll be here on the screen real fast. See, in Acts 17, 2 through 4, what Paul does is he went into the synagogue and he reasoned with them what from the Scriptures the Bible says. And, and he explains it to them and he, he proves it to them, the necessity for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. So here, early on in the book of Acts chapter 17, he, he goes with the scriptures. He, he goes with the authority. He goes with the law. He goes, he goes with that, and that's the direction and the route that he goes. But he doesn't do that here. Why? Because those people knew, and those people were aware. Those people uh, uh, were Jewish and religious, and they, they knew that system. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Savior. And so he goes at them with what, what they know. But for these that he's engaging today, they don't, they don't rest on the authority of Scripture. They don't care about the authority of Scripture, so he starts with their question. He, he starts with their question. And, and I just believe in my heart that we need to get good at this 
we need to get better at this because as, as the day goes, as the, as the world continues, as the culture continues, there's going to be less and less, less weight that's going to be held in the Scriptures. We don't depart from it. No, no, no. no that we always get people back to Jesus, back to truth, back to the Scriptures. That bears weight on every soul of every believer. And so we always get back to that. But, but I believe that we need to do a good job of learning how to engage even if we don't have that as a resource right now, even if we don't have that as a weight of authority. Because how many people would we talk to and be like, the Bible, who cares about that? That, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. So, so that, yeah, well, that's just a man. What was the argument? It's a man-made book. And they got together back in the day. And they, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy arguments and, and theories and, 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 and all of those type of things that are out there about the Scriptures. About, about how they try to debunk and how they try to, uh, to get rid of and how they try to throw off. All right, cool. Well, let's, I'll go a different route. I'll, I'll, let's talk about something else. Th that's why we want to be big on our testimony, too. When it says to be a witness, Acts 1a, and you will be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll have power when he comes upon you. And you'll be his witness. Well, because you just, they can debunk whatever. They can talk about whatever. They can uh, criticize what they can go. But all I know is this. Is this old boy up here? used to be like this, and now he's like this. And there is nothing in me that wants to be like this. Everything in me fights for this. And for whatever reason, God and his goodness and the Holy Spirit is pulling me toward this. And whenever I do from time to time act like this, he wears me out for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just works me over. He's a good dad that, that disciplines and cares for his boy. And so he pulls me in. He's like, what are you doing? You're mine. Live this way. Ah, oh, dang it, you're right. And for some reason, it makes sense. And so I, I, I tell him I'm sorry. I ask him to break my heart. And I ask him to help me. And I move back toward this way. I just, you can say whatever you want to say about the Scriptures, but you can't argue that. I know my bent and my natural tendency and it's moving this way, toward godliness, toward holiness, toward Jesus. That's not natural because the flesh fights against that. But the, but the Apostle Paul, he's aware. Look at what he does in verse, verse 20, 24. Look at what he does. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. What he does is he points to the logical problem here. He points to their problem with their approach to God. He asks them, does it make sense? Is, is any of this making sense to you that, that God who created everything could be contained in a little old temple that, that, that you create and make for him, a place that he would have to be housed? Why would you need to give him food? Does that not take his godness away? Like if, if, if God is lacking anything, is that really God? Like if he needs anything from us, is that really a God you would want to worship? Is that really something that you would want to run after? And in verse 26, he says this, He made from one man every nation of mankind to live in all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Man, man, I, I love this. Look, look at this approach. Look at this approach. What Paul, in essence, says is this. The real God is not some deity whose jurisdiction is in. God's not confined to a building. That's what the beautiful thing about this is. You gather here this morning, those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, you're the church, not the building. 350 Old Furnace Road means nothing. You leave this thing, the wind can come and blow it down. And guess what happens? The church continues. We're not bound to a facility or to a building. Like, like, like y'all know, like God doesn't just hang out here like Monday through Saturday, right? 
But like, like you don't have to call here to get a hold of him and talk to him. But you can just begin to have conversation with. Well, because he's everywhere at all times. It's not like this, this day you have to go down there and you have to try to appease him. You have to offer a sacrifice. And what Paul's saying is, man, he, he's not someone who, who's limited in journey. He, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere. And they had gods that were, were secluded to certain areas, like the God of the sea, the God of the sky, the God of the sun. And what Paul's saying here is that the real God is the creator of all things, all creation and mankind. The second thing that Paul does here says this, is that the greatest pursuit in life is to find God, to know God. See, Greek and Roman gods were always a means to some other thing. You've got uh, Artemis, who's the goddess of prosperity and money. So, so if, you wanted, if you wanted that, if you needed that, if you wanted to be wealthy, if you wanted to prosper, you would have to go down to her temple and you'd have to make an offer. Uh, Athena uh, is the goddess of wisdom and politics. And so if you wanted to be smart or be wise, then what you'd have to do is you'd have to go down and you'd have to worship her. You'd have to offer a sacrifice. What about Nike? Nike is the goddess of victory. Who was normally worshipped by athletes and war- warriors, right? You don't want to go into battle not having her on your side. I mean, you, you don't want to you don't have to face someone not making a, a preparation and worshiping God like, like you should have, worshiping her like you should have, right? You might not be able to run as fast. You might not be able to jump as high. You might not be able to be as strong as what you should have been and soar above your competition. So what would you do? You'd go down and you would worship. I mean, they, they had all kinds of these gods that were a means to something, whether prosperity, power, or whatever was important to them in their day and at their time. And so Paul, what he does is he says, man, the one true God is his own reward. He's not to be sought after for anything other than that. Like, like church, if, if we would get that, we gather here today for Jesus and Jesus alone, not for what he can do for us. Because he's already done for us. He's already offered us a way. He's already made a way. And so that's where Paul goes. Verse 27 says, yet he is actually not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And so this is very interesting to me here, this little quote that Paul gives because it's, it's not a quote from scripture. It, it is from a song written about Zeus in 600 BC. And so he goes on in verse 28 and says, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. See, that was from a poem written by a Stoic. And so Paul knew their culture. He knew their day. So what he did was he showed them how they've stumbled onto truth and they're asking some of the right questions. The problem is they're looking in the wrong places. Is that not our world? They're asking questions and they're trying to fill those questions with answers that they find in culture, that they find in the world. They're looking, in the, they're asking the right things, but looking in the wrong place. And so what Paul does is he points them to that. He shows them that. He shows them their God-sized longing. And he tells them that you can't marry that with culture and be made complete. You can't make God fit into your narrative. And then we get to verse 29 and his conclusion. Look, look at what he does. He says, being then God, God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. And what he's saying is if God is the creator, you're foolish to think that you can reduce him to something that you can hold your hand. You're crazy to think that he, you're something that you can sway him in that regard or you can hold him or manipulate him. And, and then what he does, look at this, is he turns to the gospel. He engages him where they're at, and then he gets the conversation back to the gospel. The times, verse sorry, the times of ignorance of God is overlooked, which just means that God has, has stayed uninvolved, leaving them to their own adulterous error, but, but not today. Today, things change. Today, Paul comes with the message, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent 
because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given us assurance. Assurance is proof. Assurance is, 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 is knowledge and knowing how. By, to all, by raising him from the dead. He says, you're looking for a God like none others? You're looking for the one that can, that can, that can fix the issues? You're looking for the one that, that, that supersedes all of these little G-gods that you worship? He says, it's Jesus and he has come. And the way that we know that is because he was murdered and he's come back to life and he's alive and he's a well and he's ruling and he's reigning at the right hand of the Father. He says, he's been found, he's been made known. He's revealed himself to us. You see, you see what he does there? He, he takes them where they're at, and, and, and he encourages them, and he shows them, and he listens to them, and he, and he cares for them. And, and in that, he answers the question that they're all asking. And he does so by, by getting them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, you may not believe this book. You may not believe this. You may not believe it. But all I know is I'm going to live it out in front of you so hard that you can't refute it. I'm going to love you so good that, that, that you're going to think I'm a crazy man. I, I'm, I'm going to just do, do random stuff for you just to throw you off a little bit. You can't stand Jesus, that's fine. But I love you in spite of. You, you, don't, you don't know why we, well, I don't care if you know why we do this or not we do this. I'm just going to share and I'm going to uh, uh, bring you dinner and I'm going to uh, do just random acts of whatever I could do to point to the glory and grandeur of Jesus. And in that, hopefully one day, the prayer is that God will open up a door just slightly where I can just step in just a little bit and begin to share the truth of the gospel. And that's how the Apostle Paul does it. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to add to our repertoire. Because as the day gets darker and the heart of the people move further and further from God, the weight of the book, though it bears immense weight and it's what we base everything on for the believer, the world's going to want nothing to do with it. The world's going to care less. And that's fine. Because though we may, you may not get it presented to you that way, what you're going to see it is in my life. What you're going to see it is in my conversation. What you're going to see it in is my, is my thinking. I am going to work it to the point of where I can get back to the gospel and tell of the good news of Jesus. So as the band comes up, look at how Paul finishes here in verse 32. Now, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, listen, look at, look at these responses. Some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. And, and so Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus and uh, Aragrippina, and a woman named Demarius and others with them. So Paul, this crazy man for Jesus, who didn't care what the crowd thought, he knew what Jesus thought, and that's what mattered, gets to the point, engages them where they're at, and gets to the point where he can talk about the gospel and get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. And the thing is, look at their reactions. They're in that scripture. This is the, this is the reaction. This, and this is what we've got to prepare ourselves for, church. When you share, rejection is going to come. When you share, you're going to get labeled. When you share and tell, you're going to be mocked. When you share and tell, you're going to be left out of. This is going to happen because the world wants nothing to do with. And that's what Paul experiences. He gets made fun of. He gets mocked. You know what he does? He closes up shop and goes home and never tells anybody else again, right? No. No. That's fine. If they don't want to believe, that's fine. I'm going to continue to live it out. I'm going to continue to proclaim it. I'm going to continue to follow and pursue. But, but look at the other responses. Some thought about it. I, just, I don't quite, I don't quite, this tall guy, something about him. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't, something that just kind of drew me in. Maybe it was his, maybe it was his dialect. Maybe it was his accent. Maybe it was his, the way he told, I don't know. 
we're going to pack up the family. We'll go down to the... We're going to listen to them again. I always want to... And then you have those who joined. And you have those who joined. Look, look at verse 34. I, I, I love this. Look at verse 34. It says, But some men joined him and believed. They didn't believe and then joined him, did they? See, I think that's there on purpose. Some men joined him and then believed. Joined him, they became his disciple, and eventually, as a result of that, worked their way to being a disciple of Jesus and coming to faith. They weren't saved on the spot. That's not what that says. That's not what it says. Maybe, maybe that's you this morning. I don't know. Maybe you've gathered here, and you're like, man, this dude up here, he's crazy. I don't know what it is about him. He's got weird hair, and it's just, for whatever reason, I just can't. But what he says about this Jesus guy, I don't know, maybe that's your story. Maybe it's a crazy neighbor that's invited you over and over and over, and they just won't get off your case. It's like, fine, I'll just, whatever. And then you come, and, and the message of Jesus has just gripped your heart a little bit. I don't know what your story is. But if that's you, man, there's space for you here. This is a place where you can question, you can ask. You can try to find out, and you can try to walk. All that we have to claim is that of Jesus. And he found us in the exact same spot that he's found everyone else, lost and undone and in need of a Savior, with more questions than we have answers. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've been at this thing a little over 20 years, and I still have more questions than I have answers. But what I do know and what I have seen is that Jesus is good and that he cares, and that God is for me, and that God is pursuing me, and that even in the most difficult, craziest times, and he does that not for my detriment, but for my good and for his glory. It's all about perspective. And so when I read that and I look at that, I'm like, man, that's awesome. They didn't just jump in and be like, yeah, I believe. No, 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 they, they, they followed, they joined, they followed. And as a result of that, I'm sure conversation, I'm sure proclamation of the gospel, I'm sure that there was more that took place. And as a result, work in them to bring them to faith in Christ. So, so I want to I encourage you this morning, right? As we close, as we pray, and as, as God works in your heart, I just want to look at some wins. Maybe a win for you is just getting someone to church with you. Maybe that'll be a win. Maybe that, that could be. So, so don't, don't quit inviting. Don't quit asking. Don't quit drawing. Don't quit living out. Don't quit trying. I, I remember hearing a story not too long ago on the radio of, of a guy, this, this, this guy who was talking about how his dad, he, he had witnessed to his dad for 40 years before his dad came to faith in Jesus. 40 years. I'm like, we're out in three days, right? Amazon Prime can deliver in three days. Why can't God? I'm just saying. Right? I mean, I mean, as messed up as our postal service is, they can get us something in a timely manner, and God can't deliver 40 years? And he didn't check out. He continued to share. He continued to love. He continued to have conversation. And in that, God saves him and rescues his dad. But imagine if he quit and give up. So don't give up, man. Just keep asking. Keep inviting. That may be a win for you as you, you engage someone to, uh, to, to start reading the Bible. I mean, hey, you got we've all got difficult questions, right? Especially as it pertains to the Scriptures and to God. Maybe that's the way you engage. Hey, what, what kind of spiritual questions do you have? Man, I'd love to have a conversation. And hear me, whatever you do, just do not make up answers just off the fly. You hear? Because that is not, a, that, that's how other religions get started. We don't want to do that. And press in. That's what we're here. We're here, we're here to equip the saints. We're here to love one and care for. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's some questions you're going to ask. I don't have the answer for. Because there's just some questions not answered this side of eternity. What I do is I've got the scriptures, I've got the words that I can point you to, and we can start to walk down that road, and you can go have a conversation with your neighbor, your coworker, whoever. Or, or, or maybe the win is just somebody listened to you this week. I mean, and, and for you, uh, like for you, you mustered up the nerve just to say Jesus in a sentence. Praise God, hallelujah, you did it. You did it. And that's where God will work and do. 
I had a conversation with a friend this week. I'm like, man, I had an opportunity this week. I'm blue and I missed it a couple weeks ago, whatever. I said, it's all right. The fact that you were even aware of the, of the, of the blown opportunity, they begin to pray and you ask God to open up that door again. You, you pray and you ask God to open up that door again. And then whenever that opportunity comes around, you're ready for it. You've prepared and you are ready. And all you've got to do is just stop there about, yeah, let me tell you what God's doing, Paul. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be all up in their junk and be like, key up the piano, let's do this. Altar call right now. Beat them over the head with the Bible. Get saved. You're going to fry like a sausage if you don't. That, that, no, that don't work. You don't need music. You don't need, all you need to do is just get to Jesus and let him do the work. Jesus, let him do the work. And, and maybe for you to win this week is you, you just, you thought about it more than you've ever have. Okay, that's great. Now let's take that thought to a little bit of action. Or, or maybe, like I said, you just, you work the name of Jesus in, or you even work that you go to church. Like, what, you're a churchgoer? I don't know what it looks like for you, but, but, but those are steps moving in the right direction to be able to proclaim the gospel. You're doing it, man. You're doing it. You're here this morning, so I know that there's a desire. That there's something happening in that heart. And, and every one of us know people who don't know Jesus. Every one of us rubs shoulders daily with people who don't know Jesus. So he's given us opportunity. And maybe for the first time in your life, you're becoming aware of it. I mean, I'll take that. We'll take that. And now that awareness can become a little bit more boldness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in you if you're His, right? And He's going to give you that. And He's going to uh, equip you to do and share and to have a conversation. And you know what? You may feel like an epic, like an epic bomb the first time. I mean, I want you to celebrate the fact that you did it. I want you to celebrate the fact that you're, you're, you're thinking of it. You're pressing toward Because I want to tell you right now, I don't know how long it took for me to be able to share the gospel with somebody. When I say properly, I don't even know what properly means. Gosh, it's different for everyone, is it not? Man, it's the fact of being available and aware and doing it. So I don't know what the win for you is. I don't know what God's stirring in your heart. I don't know what he's doing. But what I do know is this, is that he has called us to go share and proclaim. And I'm crazy enough to believe that everyone in this room can do that. Every single one of us in this room can do that. And you don't have to be a theologian. And you don't have to be, uh, have an education. You don't have, all you've got to do is get him to Jesus, talk to him about Jesus. Look at how the Apostle Paul did it. Looked at their culture, looked at their day, and what did he do? He worked it back around too. I know what you're looking for. I know, I know, what you're, I know, I know the questions you're asking because while we've asked those questions too. So don't give up. Don't stop. And we want to reach the world with the gospel. That's what we're fighting for. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Father, help us this morning to feel the weight of that and to get that. May that be our all-consuming passion like we see here with Paul is to get people to Jesus, to share, to share Jesus with them. So, Father, I pray for boldness like you promised, like you've seen in the book of Acts. God, I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit in our life. God, that we would leave this place and it not just be a cool little talk or a fun little time or we were entertained, Father God, but I pray that it would be one of those things that we see happen in the Apostle Paul. Amen, that, that our souls would be perplexed and would be pricked to the point of action. That draw us this time working us. We need you. God, I need you. It's not easy for me. I need you. Help me. God, help us. Work the movement only you can. Amen. Pray. Amen. You guys stand. They're going to lead us in a song of response. If you want to come pray, if you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, anything, it, not, not often, but you be obedient to the Spirit.